Thank you, ladies. Remind us of our trust in God and our hope that is in Him. Thank you for singing that and reminding us of that this morning. Uh, we are reminded that uh, this is a season of transition for, for many, for several, and uh, as Jeremy prayed earlier, several, several of our, I guess, previous former high school students are moving on. Some have already moved on to college and some will be moving on this week. And we wish them uh, our, uh, the very best and certainly we'll cover uh, them in our prayers and they, they and their families. Um, and so it's a neat time to see us see them uh, be sent out uh, for further education. So, uh, but by the grace of God, they will do well. I encourage you to turn with me in your Bibles to Psalm 23. We began uh, this psalm last week. We're spending four weeks working through this uh, short psalm, uh, but a psalm that's uh, very familiar to most, even familiar to non-Christians. Uh, because as we said last week, if you have ever been to a funeral, you probably are familiar with Psalm 23. Uh, however, as we talked about last week, Psalm 23 is not a psalm for the dead, it is a psalm for the living. David is rejoicing in this psalm and he has much to instruct us in by the Holy Spirit this morning. And so let's pray, ask for the Lord's help, and let's jump right in this passage uh, together. Father, we do look to you as our shepherd would you help us to navigate uh, this passage today that we would be instructed by it, that we would be encouraged by it, that we would be helped by it. Father, we do thank you for not leaving us to fend for ourselves in this world, but God, that you have revealed yourself clearly, that you have given us this word to guide our steps, to instruct our hearts. Lord, would you do that now, we pray. In Christ's name, amen. You know, we have grown quite comfortable in a Google Maps world. How many of you use Google Maps or Waze? Some of you Waze folks out there. You need to go somewhere, no problem. Grab the smartphone, right? Just type in the address, hope your data for the month is not close to being over and you're set. But I have a question for you. How many of you, we're taking a poll here, so this is Participation Sunday in Sermon. How many, of, how many of you could get in the car today, get out the old-fashioned Rand McNally Atlas paper version and drive to Houston, Texas with no electron? I'm impressed. All right, put your hands down. How many of you, if you had no GPS device and only a paper Rand McNally map, would feel much anxiety having to navigate? Yeah, some of you, yeah. This is the day in which we live. I mean, some of us are paralyzed by fear and anxiety if we don't have something to assist us in navigating a simple course. I mean, I use Google Maps just to go to Baltimore. You know, we don't think much today about navigation because we have typically have a device that will do it for us. But when it comes to navigating life and choices in life and direction in life, how many of us would love to have an app for that, right? Direction in life app, just type in the question of the day, the decision that needs to be made for the day and the app will assist you. Life is not always so easy. 
And yet one of the things that we all know is that we all need guidance. Psalm 23 is here to remind us that while we don't have an app for life's decisions, we have something infinitely better. We have a good shepherd. So let's read this psalm together. We'll be looking at verse three today, but let's stand, let's hear this psalm in its entirety, verse, six verses, as we look at the word of God today. Psalm 23, Psalm of David, This is inspired by the Holy Spirit. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup, overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You may be seated. This is God's word. Our focus today as we continue in Psalm 23 is going to be one verse, actually part of one verse, verse three, the sentence that says, he leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. This is our text for today, and and one of the things that we need to understand when we come to this passage is that our good shepherd has promised to be our guide by leading us in a way that will result in our good and his glory. This is what we have. This is what we are promised. This is what we are given in the word of God, that God is our good shepherd and that he will lead us. Indeed, the text says he leads us in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And so as we look at this psalm today, we're going to consider three important aspects of this leading that God does in our lives. It's very simple. It's divided well nicely in this sentence. We're going to look at his promise to lead, his plan in leading us, and his purpose for leading us. All right, his plan, his promise, his purpose. Actually, his promise, plan, and purpose in that order. And so let's look at that today as we consider the leading of God in our lives. First, God's promise to lead us. One thing that is true of sheep, as we talked about last week, is that sheep aren't the brightest creatures on the planets. That's why God in his infinite wisdom uses sheep to to illustrate us. Sheep are just, they're they're not the wisest of creatures. They're incapable of sufficiently caring for themselves. They're not wise, they're, they're, they need to be constantly tended, constantly led. They, they have all these, these tendencies about them that, that require the, the aid of a shepherd. They're creatures of habit. And so, for example, if you were to talk to shepherds in various parts of the world today, they will tell you that a sheep, if it is not led to other pastures, will just retrace its steps back and forth over and over again and, and just make the ground to bare wastelands unless they are guided to other pastures, the creatures of habit. And sometimes sheep have this tendency to easily wander off away from the rest of the flock, requiring the shepherd to often leave the rest of the flock to go rescue the rebellious sheep. As David continues to illustrate 
his own relationship with the Lord using imagery that he knew all so well growing up as a shepherd. In verse three, he reflects on this aspect of this relationship of his own need to be properly led by God. And while David is personalizing this psalm as he's rejoicing in the faithfulness of God to provide him guidance, he's, he's personalizing this in a way that he's expressing his, his, his confidence and his joy in the good shepherd's hand. We too are instructed as we too need to be led. When you think about God leading us, well, what type of leading does God provide? We'll talk about that in a moment. We're we're gonna get that really more specifically in in point two. But first we need to see why it is we need to be led in the first place. We could boil it down to two two reasons. I mean, we could say it many different ways, but why is it that we need to be led? Well, one, this this is the simplest way I could explain it. One, God is able to lead us and we are not. (laughs) It's the ability of God to do so and the inability of man to properly lead. Let's look, let's consider the ability of God. We've already been, we've already seen last week specifically God's credentials, right? The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord, the personal name of God, Yahweh, God who is over all, the the, the supreme being, the sovereign one over the universe, the Lord, the creator, the sustainer of all things is my shepherd. This great God is also a personal shepherd. The one who holds universes together, the one who holds the stars in place is the very one that cares about what you're doing at two o'clock tomorrow afternoon. A good shepherd will always lead the sheep to what they need most, even when they don't realize what they need. What better truths to know than the fact that the God of the universe is our shepherd. His leading is driven by the fact that he is all-knowing all-powerful and ever-present. Who better to lead us than God? God is able. But another reason that we need to be led is, the, is what we could say is, in summary as the inability of man. Here's, here's the problem that quickly emerges when we think about being led. If we're honest, we don't like to be led. I mean, how many of you were just born with this innate sense of, oh, I just need to be led in life. Somebody lead me. We don't, we don't like to be led. In fact, when we, we kind of grow used to it over time, don't we? We kind of uh, climatize ourselves to, to certain context and, and, and we, will, we will give way to that. But if we're honest, No one naturally wants to be led. We can sum it up in one word. It goes back to the rebellion. Adam and Eve in the garden. We are are sinners by nature and by choice, and that does not create individuals who naturally want to submit to and follow the leading of God. Two realities when when we think about this inability. Two realities we all suffer due to our sinful natures. We could say many more, but let me just point out two that apply specifically to to being sheep. One, we are stubborn people by nature. We make good sheep. Isaiah put it this way in Isaiah chapter 53, verse six, all we like sheep have gone astray. 
We have turned everyone to his own way. Notice Isaiah, he uses certain pronouns here that help us, all and everyone. No one's exempt. All of us have, have gone our own way. We've gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. Here's the problem. Our problem is that we prefer our way even over God's way. All of us. We, we don't naturally hear the things of God and respond, you know, God, you're right. I should do that. that. That's not the natural response. Now, I get it. You know, when a person's converted, they now have a new heart and they have the Holy Spirit, that begins to happen as a Christian and, and you're progressively growing in that the rest of your life. But naturally speaking, when God has spoken, maybe some of you even remember this, maybe some of you who were converted as adults, you remember clearly there was a time in your life where you hated what God said to you. Our natural default is not to say, hey, wow, God, you, you got it nailed there. I think I'll do what you've said. That's not natural. If you do that, that's a, that's a result of you being born again and having the Holy Spirit in you. To him be glory and praise for that. It's not a natural thing that we do. First Corinthians chapter two, verse 14, Paul says it well. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him. And his, he's not, he's not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. Naturally, we don't receive the things of God. We think they, the, the things of God are, are foolishness. Even as Christians, after we've been given a new heart and the Holy Spirit, we still struggle with this. You, you see Paul's example of that struggle in Romans chapter seven, for example. Just as a Christian, even think about the number of times God's word has confronted you in an area as a Christian, and immediately your response is to resist or try to redefine what was written. As a Christian, You see, our default is to follow our own lead and not God's lead. We are stubborn creatures. Another truth is that we are blind. Blindness is a term the Bible often uses to define spiritual indifference and lostness. And applying that word here means that while we think we can see the right thing, we often aren't clearly seeing. Proverbs 14 verse 12 puts it this way. There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way to death. Right? There, there's a way that seems right, but oftentimes it leads to bad things, death in this case. Friends, man's way is not the right way, and we are fools for thinking so. You know, it's because of these kinds of things that, that I get nervous when I hear people give counsel to others and they say things like this. You just need to believe in yourself. Follow your heart. Now, I guarantee you many of us in this room have said those things. And I think while those statements might be well-intended, they actually do more harm than good because they foster a self-sufficiency that's ultimately destructive. Compare those two sentences that are commonly used today. Believe in yourself, follow your heart to Proverbs 3, verse five and six. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, what, how many ways? Math and science, all your ways. 
Acknowledge him and he will make straight your path. Friends, if we were to lean on our understanding, if we were to follow our own heart, and if we were just to believe in ourselves, we would be desperately doomed because we are stubborn and we are blind and we are completely capable of leading ourselves in a way that ultimately brings glory to God. Now, having said that, I certainly am not implying that the common grace of knowledge and intellect are overrated and bad. Parents, you are not wasting your money by sending your kids to college. Depends on the college, but maybe you're not wasting your money. But we must remember that even the greatest of human minds is still a fallen mind. Even the greatest, even the Einsteins of the world, still fallen, still sinful. Friends, we don't have the ability on our own to adequately lead ourselves in a God-honoring fashion. We need a shepherd, and praise God, he's given us one. Isaiah chapter 42, verse 16, we read there, and I will lead the blind in a way that they do not know, in paths that they have not known. I will guide them as he speaks about his own people, Israel, in the Old Testament. Because that's the reason we need to be led. God is able and we aren't. But how does he lead us? We could spend an entire sermon just on how he does this and maybe be getting some of this as we continue in the sermon, but let me just mention a few things. First and foremost, he, he, he does lead us through a hidden providence. God is always at work, sovereignly so, in ways that we are never going to see and understand or know. He's doing thousands, if not millions of things in your life constantly that you have no idea what he's doing. And so, yes, God guides and he leads through this mysterious hidden providence where he is, he is making sure that his purposes will prevail in your life. But he, more specifically, has revealed himself through his word. God will not guide you in a way that contradicts the Holy Scriptures. God will not lead you to do something that is in blatant disagreement with his word. That's one of the reasons we have the Scriptures is to be properly led and to be properly guided. And so we have God's inerrant, sufficient word to instruct us, to lead us in, in life. And, nothing, and, and, and that's sufficient. Peter says in 2 Peter that we've been given all things that pertain to life and godliness. He's given us his Holy Spirit. Again, the Holy Spirit gives us awareness and understanding and enlightenment to understand God's word. The Holy Spirit will never lead you in a way that is different from God's word. They will always lead you. He will always lead you in light of God's word. Primarily, God has revealed himself through the scriptures and he's given us his Holy Spirit. We could go on and on and talk about how he's even given us other believers to encourage us. But again, other believers are to encourage us in accordance with the truth of God's word. So praise God, we have a family of believers that we can go to and say, I need help in this area. And friends, if they're not giving you help in light of scripture, then, then they're not truly helping. But Praise God, we have many that we can go to that will adequately help us because they're going to point us right back to the truth. So we see that we need guidance. 
And even briefly, that God has given us resources to guide us. And we could unpack that much more extensively, but I wanna move on to to help us understand more broadly this, this act of leading that God does. Let's move to the second point. We, we see that he's promised. He, he leads me. He leads us. He's, he's there. Number two, God's plan in leading us. God's plan. Where's God taking us? What's he doing in life? Well, we could, we, on one hand, we could say, well, he's taking us to heaven. He, he's taking us to glory. He, he's, he's doing that. He has saved us. He's forgiven us of all our sins through Christ in the cross. And now he's taking us home. Well, that's true. But notice what David says here. David says, verse three, he leads me in paths of righteousness. Now, often when we think about God's guidance or God's leading, we we think things like, okay, I've graduated high school, Lord. Where should I go to college? What, What job should I pursue? Who should I marry or should I get married? Where should I live? I mean, all of these big kinds of decisions, I mean, we could go on and on, but when we think about needing God's guidance, that's what we immediately think about, don't we? We we think about, okay, um, job, school, relationships, all of those, those big things. And those are important things. Certainly, God guides us in those kinds of decisions, but, we often make those kinds of decisions harder than we need to make them. Because oftentimes Christians are waiting for some special revelation from God to show us clearly something before we take action. And friends, he typically doesn't do that. We get all stirred up and all broken down over trying to make a decision and waiting for the writing in the sky. I recommend a book to you. It's written by Kevin DeYoung. It's called Just Do Something. A great book, great study. I think we used to give it to some of our graduates, uh, but great book on, on really understanding the God's will in your life and, and guidance and leadership. In fact, this fall in one of our equip classes, I believe we have an equip class on guidance. And so um, six weeks on that. You'll see that coming up this fall. But oftentimes we, we make things harder than, than we really need to make them. Rest assured, God will have his way. God will provide what we need. But David says here that he leads us in paths of righteousness. And while the details of your life, such as your schooling, your job, your relationships, your location are all important, when we read the Bible, God seems to place an even greater emphasis on holiness. Paths of righteousness, David says. Living the way God has ordained for us to live such that we reflect his righteous character. Now, the Lord saves people to go to heaven. In fact, the Lord saves his people, as we see, so that we shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Verse six. But he's not simply saved us so that we will only dwell in the house of the Lord forever, as verse six refers, but so that we will also reflect God's holy character. Friends, your holiness is God's priority in leading you. If you check out the rest of the day, that's the most important thing you need to take away. Your holiness is God's priority in leading you, period. That's what he cares about the most, 
Again, Christians talk a lot about seeking the, God's will for their life and, and, and they truly want to know what God, what God is doing and how he's leading them. But again, for many, that seems to paralyze people. Another poll, interactive sermon today. How many of you have had to make some, you, you define what big decision is, but how many of you have had to make a significant decision in the last three months? Raise your hand. Last two months. Okay, last six months. All right. A good half of the congregation within the last six months or so has had to make some significant decision in their life. And we often face these. And we as Christians want to obey God in making the right decision. Oftentimes we will use phrases like, we need to find God's perfect will or we want to be in the center of God's will. Listen, I know what God's will is for every person in this room. I knew that would wake you up. I know what God's will for every person is in this room today. I'm confident of it because the Bible speaks to it, not because I'm some crazy prophet. 1 Thessalonians chapter four, verse three. For this is the will of God your sanctification. That's Holy Spirit endorsed stuff right there. This is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality, that each one of you know how to control his own body in holiness and honor, not in the passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God, that no one transgress and wrong his brother in this matter. Listen, then he concludes, for God has not called us for impurity, but in holiness. Three times in that section of verses, God is referring through the Apostle Paul to holiness. Sanctification and then holiness, two other times. God's will for you is that you are saved and that you look like Jesus. That's his will for your life, that you increasingly continue to grow in a Christ-likeness that will culminate one day in your being glorified. That's God's will for your life. Now, some of you might find that disappointing. If you find that disappointing, that's a little sad, but hang with me, okay? If you find that disappointing, that just shows how, how, how unbalanced your thinking has been when, it thinks, when, when you're thinking about the will of God. You're thinking more job, education, decisions, instead of what God seems to speak most to in the scriptures, and that is your sanctification. That is your holiness. I know some of us want something more concrete than that, don't we? We want name and profile of potential spouse. Check out eHarmony. You want the sun to part the clouds and a ray of sunshine to shine down on that perfect house or that perfect car or whatever it is that you want so that there's this beam of light just radiating. This is it. You want that audible word from God that God says in that strong voice, this is what thou shalt do. Friends, writing in the sky kind of theology is not how God works. He has called us to holiness and that is the pathway he's promised to lead us down. Now you're thinking, well, does he not care about who I marry or if I marry or does he not care if 
I get this particular job over that particular job. Does, does he not care where I go to school or, or what I do with my life or, or what I'm buying or where I'm living? or what? Does he not care about these things? Most certainly he cares about those things. While God does care about the details of your life, he cares more about your holiness. Listen, if you're faced with a decision and it's clear that it's going to hinder your holiness, it's not of God. I'm not trying to oversimplify, I'm just trying to be clear. If, if you are facing a decision, you're like, if I go that way, it's going to hinder my walk as a Christian. God's not leading you down that path. But if you're facing a series or a decision, you've got a series of options and either one of these options aren't, aren't going to hinder your holiness. And it seems to be equal on equal par if you were to choose any one of these. Friends, God's given you the Holy Spirit. Use discernment and make a choice if it's not going to hinder your holiness. We make things a lot more complicated and difficult than they have to be. God leads us in paths of righteousness. He leads us in right paths. And friends, not always the easy path. Indeed, holiness is not an easy path. Righteousness is not an easy path because it's so contrary to what our human nature is as sinners. Often it's the more difficult path. But friends, the end result is so worth it. Remember that God's leading will always have your holiness as the priority. God's holiness is what the priority will be. Look at your life right now. How are you growing in holiness? How are you being hindered in holiness? What is, what is it that as you make decisions in life, is, are those decisions enhancing your opportunity to grow and flourish as a Christian or are they hindering your opportunity to grow and flourish as a Christian. See, God leads us in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Look at your own life. How are you growing or how are you not growing? What is it that hinders you? It's God's plan. God's plan is to make you holy. That's his plan. That's his will. Number three, God's purpose. God's purpose in leading us. Why does God lead us? He leads us for his namesake. He leads us for his namesake. God desires to lead us in paths of righteousness because by doing so, his own reputation is preserved. Your salvation and your growth in grace while benefiting you tremendously is ultimately not to make your name great. God did not save Adam to make Adam shine brightly. God saved Adam so that he would continue to shine brightly because he saves ungodly people. He saves the unrighteous. He saves those who could never save themselves. And friend, if you're here today and you've not known that salvation, understand that a holy God, you will stand, you will stand to give account to this holy God who made you one day. And none of us on our own could stand before him and, and, and make it condemned in a moment because of our rebellion, because of our unrighteousness. But praise be to God that he has provided for us a way to be reconciled to him and accepted, not just accepted, but welcomed, adopted into his family because he sent his own son into the world 
to live a life of perfection and yet die a death in the place of sinners so that all who would trust in him would be forgiven and have everlasting life. Friend, if that is something you have never understood or never committed your heart to, your life to today, understand that Jesus died for sinners and if you would believe in him, you would not perish but have everlasting life. That is your hope. God does this for his name's sake. He makes his name great in saving people and making them holy. It is both his desire and his due. The number of times that this is highlighted throughout the Bible are many, his name's sake. I counted at least 26 times, there's probably more, but at least in the the short time I had to study this particular phrase, at least 26 times for his name's sake is mentioned in the Bible, especially in the form of prayer. Let me give you a few examples. We don't have time for all 26. Jeremiah 14, seven. Though our iniquities testify against us, act, O Lord, for your name's sake. For our backslidings are many, we have sinned against you. 1 Samuel 12, verse 22. For the Lord will not forsake his people for his great name's sake, because it pleased the Lord to make you a people for himself. Isaiah 48, we see again verses eight through 11. In Psalm 25, verse 11, the psalmist says, for your name's sake, O Lord, pardon my guilt, for it is great. Go to Romans 1, 1 John 2. Again, we see this over and over. God leads us in paths of righteousness for the sake of his great name. This is why he does this for his own honor and for his own praise. Friends, your growth in holiness is designed to be a display of God's holy character before a watching world. Carolyn Nystrom said this, God wants us to wear his name well and take it along routes where his name will receive honor because of the kind of people he is growing us to become through the work of Jesus Christ. And I just simply ask you, are you wearing God's name well? Wherever you go, I'm not, in fact, let's think about everywhere else except Sunday morning. 3 p.m. today, will you be wearing God's name well? In that contentious staff meeting at work this week, will you be wearing God's name well? With that frustration, that brewing family divide over whatever it is for you, do you wear God's name well? Husbands, in the way that you treat your wives and care for her, are you, are you wearing God's name well? Wives, in the way that you respect your husband, are you wearing God's name well? Friends, we could go on and on. Are you doing that? As you grow in holiness, as God leads you in paths of righteousness for his name's sake, are you wearing the name of God well in your life wherever you go and in all that you do? God deserves to be thanked and praised for leading us in right paths. Think about that. If we were able to do that, we were able to navigate life well and to do things well and, and to do things on our own. You could think, well, certainly we would deserve some credit for that, but friends, we can't. I've, I've made the, the brief argument earlier that, that we don't lead ourselves well. In fact, we don't want to be led. God leads us in paths of righteousness. God deserves to be thanked and praised for doing this. Does your worship of him and your devotion to him 
demonstrate such? Does your worship of God demonstrate that you are overwhelmed with gratitude because of your good shepherd leading you in paths of righteousness for his namesake? Does your devotion to him throughout this week as a mom with little ones at home demonstrate your overwhelming gratitude that God saved you and has given you a place in his family? Does your singleness demonstrate an overwhelming gratitude that you're living out a life for the sake of his name in the circumstances under which you live? As we could go on and on. Does your worship of God and does your devotion to God demonstrate that you, one, are wearing God's name well and two, are overwhelmed with gratitude and praise that he has saved you and that he is leading you in paths of righteousness? He leads us in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Friends, are you submitting to his lead? Are you considering, I hear this. Well, how do I know God's leading me to do something? Friends, he's given you his word. And no, his word doesn't say, you shall go to Texas A&M. That would actually be against it, and I'm kidding. It doesn't say those kinds of things. But if you're walking in pursuit of holiness and righteousness and, and you are seeking to live out a life that is pleasing to God and you are reading and absorbing his word, you're going to have the tools by the grace of God and filled by the spirit of God in your life to understand when there is a decision to make, okay, what would God have me do? It seems that he would have me to do this because my holiness is at stake. His character will either be displayed in a righteous, glorious way or his name will be defamed if I do this. And sometimes we have many decisions in life where it's not a moral thing, it's just a simple act of discernment. Are you submitting to the leading of God? Are you walking down paths of righteousness? Friends, he will not lead you down any other path. If you claim to be a follower of Jesus and you're not advancing in holiness, you're not being led in paths of righteousness. And don't blame God for that. This is what he does. Pursuing godliness. Are you seeking to wear God's name well for the sake of his name? Because that's why we gather. That's why we live out lives of holiness, not for our name, not for our glory, but for God's glory and for God's name. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you so much for reminding us of how faithful you are to lead us. God, you are good, and you will not lead us in a way that would contradict your holy purposes for our lives. You have saved us from sin and you are progressively transforming us to be more and more like your son. Father, I know that this room represents thousands of choices and thousands of decisions. 
God, would you help us not be overwhelmed by the number of decisions we have on a daily basis? God, that we would not be burdened by them, but Lord, that we would be more burdened by our lack of holiness. And that we would run life's choices through that grid of whether or not this will impact us to be more like Jesus. Father, you are good and you do good. And you have said you will lead your people in paths of righteousness. Lord, help us to realize that that's not always the easy path. In fact, oftentimes, Lord, it will bring the most of difficulty in our lives. Lord, it will often bring challenges because of the world in which we live. It will call us to take risk. It will call us to to suffer. But Father, the fact that you would even consider much less save us is a glorious thought. And not only, Lord, did you determine to save us, you've determined to change us, to make us more and more like our glorious Savior. Father, would you help us to see where we have fallen short in that pursuit? Would you help us to see where we have been more satisfied with our own way and not your way? Would you help us to see how we have neglected to wear your name well in our lives? Lord, would you help us to see the things that we're not seeing? Lord, help us not to be satisfied with anything less than your desire to conform us into the image of Christ. Father, it may be that there are folks in this room right now struggling with that very thing. They, they may understand themselves to be a Christian and yet they have struggled for some time to reflect Christ's character. Lord, would you remind them right now that there is forgiveness? Would you remind them that there is forgiveness in Christ? Lord, it may be that there are some in this room that are struggling with major decisions right now. They're, they're trying to determine what best to do. Lord, we do ask for you to guide them and in that hidden mysterious providence that your will would be accomplished and that you would grant them discernment and wisdom. But Lord, help them to see even through their decisions of how it will impact them as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus. And Father, it may be that there are some in this room today that they, they may not get this message. They may not understand what it means to be led by you because they've not yet known you in a saving way. God, would you open their eyes and would you help them to see their need for Christ, to be led to the cross where they can have their sins forgiven once and for all and be changed. Father, we thank you that you lead us and you do so for your glory. We pray this in Christ's name and for his sake, amen.